it's exciting to see all of you here. I haven't had a chance. I wanted to have a seat so full. And uh, there's a couple of spaces here, there, and everywhere. It's great because I wish that those days were good enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Yeah. I'm trusting that you're excited. How was that worship? It's crazy, eh? Yeah. That was a guy's idea. See, that's what happens. We're so great about the God. But uh, I love it. I love it. Because it's, it's a picture of just how we minister. Because we have God called us to this level. What we do. We minister before God. Those who do that, we're grateful to God. That's what God gets us to. And uh, it, it really ties in with what we brought as well. And, and this is how it works in the household of God. In the family of God. As we Sometimes, uh, <laughs> and this is not in my notes, but it's a great, it's a great intro. Um, I remember that prayer meeting one day. I had a word for some time. This is what the word was. Lulu bungee pot. Lulu bungee pot. And I'm like, what? No, I'm not sharing that one. That doesn't make sense. Give me a scripture. Give me something profound. Give me something exciting, something stirring. And, uh, Lulu bungee pot. And so I thought to myself, what will happen? At most, people will think I'm an idiot. I'm used to that. So that's not a big deal. Um, people call me Sajid, and they sometimes think I'm the other one. Right? But, but here's the thing. So I came up here and I said, okay, how are you? Who does this resonate with? Lulu, bungee con. I'm stirred. I'm excited. Anyone? Slack line. Nothing. Zero. Are you sure? What comes up here? That's why it was Lulu Bungee Con. Slackline. After the prayer meeting, guy comes up to me says, Oh, my God. You are literally this. All right? That's Bungee Con. I think most of us ladies are stuck in a marriage that's just complex. She's trying to, it's a bad marriage. She's pulling away, but she gets pulled back into some stuff that she didn't want to get into. She keeps, and she says she feels like an orphan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How about the marriage prayer meeting? Because I, I, I did the whole pastor thing. Uh, and I said, you know what? You know, you might prevent someone from being great. And truth be right, you could have prevented me from looking like an idiot. And I, <laughs> it's how we serve one another. It's how we serve one another. I, I want to talk about serving. And, uh, Talk about servanthood. I think we'll do the slides. Here's the man I want to talk about. His name is Ian. I'm not going to even try his surname. You can try it. If it's South African, yeah, I know we have a couple, one or two. Right? But uh, if you can tell me afterwards how that's pronounced. Ian. Ian. So Ian, Ian's a great guy. This is the serial entrepreneur, is how he's described. Right? And he, he has a brand called Sobe. It's beautiful. It's a chain store. Right? And here's his story. This is a little bit about him. I just pulled this out of text because it keeps thinking that I've gone away and gone back. Someone asked him this, or at least he likes to ask people this. What's the purpose of work? And most people say, well, how to make money. And he says this. 
That's not right. In the TED Talk in 2016, he said that one of the big lessons, he started, by the way, he started his business when he was in his 50s. And he said, one of the big things that I've learned over time and over experience, remember what I said, serial entrepreneurs, started many businesses, is that we are called to serve others. Servant leadership is the way forward for us. And here's the thing. It's not that he doesn't care for profit and growth. I look at his, I don't want his numbers wrong. He started in 2005 with four stores. 2005. And he has built what he's called a recession-proof brand. So big. Today, there are 178 stores across South Africa, four in London. And he says, servant leadership. And he says this, his first step, this is the principle they work with. You go into business, you serve people first, like that. That's what determines his business success. And he says this, I changed my management style from top-down, demanding, to bottom-up, nurturing, and uplifting. What do you make that kind of secure business world principle? And yet, doesn't it sound a lot like scripture? Doesn't it sound like scripture? Well, that's what Jesus teaches his disciples. He's teaching them that we get to serve. And we've been working through a series on identity, and we did the, the first one, which was we are sons. We are sons. But that's the thing, it's we are sons. We are sons with all that it implies, but we are also, the second one was worshippers. So we are sons, and we are also worshippers with all that that implies. And we're more than that. We're also servants. And today we're going to see, well, what does that imply? Thing. The reading from John chapter 13 is a, a great little passage that we're looking at, and uh, it's, the, it's that final reading. We celebrate it here from time to time. This is the week of the month. Holy the Lord's Supper. I think they just called it dinner then, right? Passover meal. That's the picture. They're sitting there, they've come in, they get tired, they've been on a bit of a journey, they've reached almost the end of Jesus' journey. The disciples camped out of there. They are out of there. He's been giving them little clues, but they were a bit like Sajid, uh, a bit hip, and uh, they didn't quite get it yet. And so that's the place where they started, right? Because we are, we're looking at if we are to serve, we should have the ultimate servant. Jesus himself, in the picture that he paints for us. We are reading from John chapter 13. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come for the Father, that was Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now, first of all, give me a little time on this. Right? At about 6 p.m. on a Thursday, in a few hours, he's going to be arrested. In a few hours, right, and I want you to remember, he knew what was coming. In a few hours, he's going to be tortured, he's going to be whipped, he's going to be put to the knife yet. This is a cat and knife. They'll get bones and pieces of metal stacked on it with a wrap around his body and then they'll be through it and pierce his flesh. He knew this was coming. I want you to keep that in mind. In that, knowing that, this is where he's going. They're having dinner and he says this. In that certain knowledge of what is happening, he says this. 
Philippians also said, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jewish males in that in that culture, this is not their, their rule, this is not their past, this is believing, this is belief thing, right? They don't want to do this. And so can you imagine I don't know whether Jesus set it up. Normally, when you enter the home, there'll be a non-Jewish slave at the entrance, there'll be a bowl of water, there'll be a towel there, and this non-Jewish slave would wash their feet as they walk in to the meal, as they walk into the house. But perhaps Jesus set it up. But that day, nothing. And in the middle of the meal, during the meal, Jesus gets up and he strips off his clothes and he begins to wash their feet. Can you imagine? These guys, right, they probably never even thought, even if it crossed their mind, yeah, somebody better wash somebody's feet, they thought, that, ah, not me. Not me. Not my role, not my task. They didn't play or just oblivious to the fact that, hey, I can serve someone here. But because the culture was such that stoop down to that level. No pun intended. We don't go down there. We are Jewish males. Now, if you come from that kind of alpha male community and you go into every rugby match and you're rah, rah, you know what I'm saying. This is not you. And yet, Jesus sits as an example here. That is incredibly, incredibly beautiful to me. And here's what I said left behind him. He knew that he's washing the feet of the man who's going to betray him. This is not just a, hey, I like you, you're a nice guy, and uh, because I like you, we are good mates, we are good buddies, and you know, because of that, and because I know you kind of wash your feet and you kind of take care, I'll wash your feet. No, this is Jesus saying, I don't care, no past is beyond me. No past. No past is beneath me. No one, and no person is beneath me. No person below me. I will wash your feet. I will serve you. And this is a picture of what servanthood looks like. Just right there. So what's happening here? He's showing them. He's, he's giving a picture, a demonstration of what it's like to serve one another in humility. But there's more to it. There's more. He's giving them another picture, one that they don't recognize right now. He's giving them a picture of a time that's coming just ahead when they're going to strip him of his clothes. And he's going to shed more than water. He's going to shed his blood. And he's going to be more than washed in feet. He's going to wash every sin of your own life. 
So he's pointing to that already. And as, as, as humiliating as this thing was for a Jewish male, it's nothing compared to what was given. And can you imagine him competing beside his husband, thinking, oh, I get it now. And even then, they don't think I got all of it. This is the ultimate act of service, the ultimate act of servanthood. That the very Son of God would give himself for us. He is the servant son. He calls us back to serve, much like everybody else should. And a few chapters back, actually, this is what the scripture says. He's talking to his disciples in chapter 10, and he says this For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. Authority to take it up again. And coming back to the portion of scripture that we are looking at, look at this in verse 13, uh, verse 3 of chapter 13. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he had come from God and going back to God, rose from supper. Can you see this thing? Can you see the progression of Jesus understanding his destiny? He understood, he, he knew why he is doing what he's doing. with the Father. He didn't see this as demeaning because his identity didn't lie in that alone. That alone. Yes, he is the servant, but he's also the son. He's also the son. And when you're secure in that, can, can you see how important it is that we do not validate ourselves and our identity just in what people think? Not in the cultural norms of the time we live in, which are unacceptable for the Jewish male, to do this, we validate ourselves by what the Father does. And can I tell you today what the Father reminds me? I brought you Pastor Chapel Pereira. What a beautiful work. I want to bring traction into your life. If you put things into my hands, I will serve you. I will love you. I will nurture you. I will grow you. I am here for you. But we got to let go. We got to let go. And sometimes we're like, I, I don't know about you, have you ever been like this? Lord, Please take my burden. Can you pray for me, please? Can you please, please take my burden? Yeah, forgive me. Yeah, take my burden. Yeah, take it. Cast your burden. Get it. But we'd say, Lord, take our burden. We just don't let go. But you know what? That's a faith issue. That's a heart issue. It's us saying, Lord, I can manage my life. I don't think I can trust you with my finances and with me. But God says, no, I can. And because he's secure in this caring, loving Father. What does he say? And here is a son. Can I get some noise and say Do you, do you hear this? Look at that scripture. And just knowing, just knowing, just knowing that, that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God, he's going back to God, Jesus rose from supper. He had the Father's love. To lead him further down in verse 7, he says, I will go back to you for the glory that I have with you. He knew he had the glory that was his. He put all things and yet, from that secure place, he comes to serve us. But here's the thing. He had all power. But for Jesus, having power, having authority, was not a reason to stand there and say, you guys need to serve me. Isn't that the exact opposite of how we pursue power in this world today? 
unintelligible and more recently. But Jesus is showing us that it's entirely the opposite of that. He had everything, but it was an opportunity of Shabbia rather than saying, Save me. Can I say this? That Jesus is living from a space that he knew this is who he was. He served us because part of his identity, part of who he was, was I'm willing to serve us. And you're called to be like that. Are you with me today? So we're not called to serve God from a place of deficiency in ourselves. We're called to serve from sufficiency in Christ as adopted sons. I like this. He's the ultimate servant son. We are adopted as sons, and we are as daughters, which is, if I use this language of sons, I'm just being kind of biblical. We are sons. And like, uh, I think a few weeks ago, Rod mentioned this. He says, if I'm comfortable with being the bride of Christ, you can be comfortable being a son. Alright? So, these are interchangeable. These are interchangeable. But, how do you like that? We serve not from a sense of duty, not from some cultural pressure that is upon us. We can do that. You can do that. You can be good. You can be philanthropic in your outlook. But, I tell you, it will lead to spurts of service, but not consistent servanthood, not a consistent servant-like lifestyle. You can't do that until Jesus shows you how. Let's jump to verse 12. We're skipping a couple of verses. I will come back to it later. But right now, I'm just jumping to verse 12. Because I want to talk about this of being, being servants by nature. So when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his clothes. I like that, eh? Jesus interrupted the meal to do this. He didn't do it at the top. He didn't do it at the bottom. He did it midway. And I dare say this. This is not in my notes. And I just love this. I just feel like God is saying this. I want to interrupt the course of your life and bring something new to you. Do you mind just closing your eyes for a moment? I just want to pray with you. And you do want you to pray along with me. But I want you to examine your heart and see if this is what God is saying to you. And if it is, just say an amen to that. Father, I submit I surrender my life into your hands. But I'm so fixated on my journey with my, my career, my family, my, my savings, my investments. I'm so fixed on those things. But I give you permission now, Lord, to interrupt my journey. Interrupt me in the middle. If you want to change the trajectory of my life today, to make me more like you, Something to think that Jesus is instituting a new sacrament here. You know, the foot washing thing. And I, I don't know about you, but that would be terrible for me. Because if I had an enclosed space like this, there's a lot of guys who come and remove their shoes, yeah, I'm out the door. Right? And uh, I know some of us are athletes in here, and I will not go. And, and, and when you take your shoes off, man, out. Or people are falling over, and that's not the Holy Spirit. Right? But here's the thing it is not that. I think, and theologians say this, and I agree with them, that what Jesus is doing is he's, there's this iconic moment in which God is portraying a picture through the life of his son of how we serve one another. And that's all it is. And yet it is so significant and so profound that he says, even my enemies, I will serve you. Even Judas, I wash your feet. 
that God called us to get. There's a lesson here, and it's not just about getting down and washing a couple of feet because they seem like you would have a problem. It's about an adjustment in our heart attitudes. And that Jesus is calling them to have. And if Jesus, who was our leader, he identifies, I'm a master, I'm a teacher, and he says, if I can do this, so can you. So can you. He sets up, he sets us up to follow in his footsteps. We are not our excuse, folks. Much like Jesus. No person beneath me, no task beyond me. Incredible motto to live by, eh? Even those tasks for which you might feel you're a little overqualified. I can't think of anyone more overqualified than Jesus to be working with disciples' people. And sometimes, I, I like this picture of what we do right here in this community. So I've got, we've got business leaders, management, and you know what they do on a Friday morning? They're out in the parking field, they're making coffees, they're on the working team, they're serving. Nine to five, and we've done, we, we used to come 11 to five. We don't do nine to five here. We do six to six. And yet, those nine to two leaders, except Andrew, he just preaches. This, uh, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do six to six. He doesn't sleep because he's up late marking papers. You didn't know where that was going, eh? <laughs> but here's the thing. These are people, those nine to two leaders, and yes, we do honor you. Because you choose to serve, you choose to open your homes, and I've opened my home up to people when, when we had a life group in our home at home. Everyone leaves at 11, because most of them are Sri Lankans. They like to eat, they just don't go home, and it's like, hey, buddy, time to go. Please, leave now. I have no more grace for you. Oops. I have no more grace for this. Go now. But here are people who open their hearts and their homes out to you and say, come in. It's not just the door, it's their hearts. They've opened their hearts to you and said, listen, I'm here for you. This is a place you can be safe. This is a place you can be vulnerable. This is a place where, hey, love me, love my friend. Just come and be here. Now, that's why I love this place. Just be here. What an incredible picture of service. And are they tired? Yes, they are. Can they be a little grumpy? Often. I've been there. Don't ask my wife. But, uh, but we can be there. And yet, we serve. We serve. Can I say this? Can I add this? That it is costly. But it is our right to serve, right? Sorry, that was me just ranting on a little bit. Forgive me. I was I'm passionate about this. It's not there. But let me return to my notes. John chapter 13. He came to Simon Peter and he said to him, I'm reading from verse 6. Came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, what do you expect me? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now. But afterwards, you will. You will understand. This is actually a great lesson, right? For us, for, for CEOs, elders, deacons, business leaders, this is a great picture of mentality. What it means to serve. Jesus is actually doing something, he's honing in on Peter. Because he knows he's setting Peter up to lead. He's setting him up because he's the one who takes on leadership of this ragtag band of disciples in their moment of confusion and fear and uncertainty. He's the one who leads. And Jesus is setting him up to lead. So he's saying, You are the guys who are going to lead 
this church was establishing, here's a picture of how you do it. You serve with enthusiasm. Even the work that God brought today, God has set you up to know you. Not to lord it over you, to serve you. To serve you. And if we don't learn to serve like you are, right at the top, can you imagine? Take that business model of Sobe. In a secular environment, in a secular system, we employed a biblical principle and boom, recession proof bread. Can you imagine what it must be like if we, as a community of believers, begin to live out the Christ like, servant like lifestyle? Can you imagine the impact around the people that we have in, in our environment, in our workplace, in our schools? Can you imagine the impact if we live to serve them? Gospel moments. Gospel moments. Today, leadership is all about the duties. How? Popularity? Thanks. Jesus is not that. We live to serve. It's not about me. It's about the people around me. How can we serve them? Now imagine this. I live to serve Matt. And Matt lives to serve you. How's that going to affect you? My needs are met because he serves me. His needs are met. And they can and expect without him. Working after working after working. So be that good, Peter doesn't understand. But he says this. But once Jesus died on the cross, can you imagine this? He says to Jesus, you know, wash all of me. And he says, no, no, you need to get this picture. You don't need all of me. But when I'm on the cross, you will remember this moment. And you'll see that this is the ultimate act of surrender that I'm going to offer you today. Lay down your life for others. Are you still with me? Topic, isn't it? It's a, it's, it's a lesson for us. It's a principle that we as believers and Christ followers got to be servant hearted. Can you imagine? Even South African people are married now. Remember Mandela being set free from prison? Remember what he said to put it up here on the slide, I think? I stand here before you not as a prophet, but as a humble servant of you, the people. I place the remaining years of my life in your hands. Isn't that incredible? And you know what's brilliant? He didn't just say the words, he lived it out. Powerful. Isn't that what makes Pope Francis great? You know what he says? I prefer a church which is bruised, broken, and dirty because it has been out on the streets rather than a church which is unhealthy and being confined and contained to its own security. And he doesn't just live this, they say it. He lives it out. You know what his personal motto is? Lowly but chosen. Lowly but chosen. Incredible, incredible pictures. But here's the thing it's not that leaders don't lead. It's not that. That's not what I'm saying here, folks. Leaders must be strong. They must have conviction. They must have courage. They must have vision. They must know where they're going. There must be a sense of direction. But the platform that God has placed them on is not a place to boost their own ego. It's not a place for me to boost my ego. It's but it's a place from which I have a position of privilege through which I can serve others. It's not about those three things. It's about serving others. God made leaders understand this. It's not about 
doing this, it's a lot of people can imagine how that would look like if you would have asked. And I'm sure you do. And I actually say this because we have a podcast which goes into a lot of churches as well. We don't do this. We liberalize this in our And I see the generosity of this church every day. And I can tell you today, we are incredibly generous in giving. Let me testify about this. Yeah? There's an area, you possibly guys have hosted this. We have expressed our appreciation in one way or the other. Mr. Tony, I don't know whether they're still here, whether they flew out, but well done, guys. Well done. Give yourselves a round of applause. You are generous. Can I quickly, let's just take a quick look at why serving and how powerful it is. One of the things is that when we serve, it is a powerful tool to get people up to the love of God, to the love of Christ. Tim Winton is an Australian author, right? And uh, so, sorry, his dad, no, he is an Australian author. And his dad, who's a strong man, big guy, met with a serious accident, paralyzed. And then he returned home. Tim Winton says he wasn't even you know, half the man that he remembered. Big guy. And every day, he would have to be carried to his bunk. His bunk struggled because you know, he was a big guy. And then one day, someone knocks on the door and says, you know what? Um, I need to have a word privately. And uh, he was praying for your dad. He was praying for him, and uh, I still need to see if I can help him a little bit. And that started a relationship in which the neighbor would come over two or three times a week for meals to the school of his football and give him a bunk. What that looked like, it led to Tim Winton and the whole family giving their lives to Jesus. The power of service. How do you resist a Christ-like life? If we portray this Jesus, how, how will people resist it? It would be near impossible. It's also a powerful thing if that's how we approach our work. Imagine what it's like. Like I said, I've been saying this a few times, but just picture this in your mind. If in your workplace you have an odd one out, because you're the cheerful one. You're the one who's saying, hey, how's this? Everyone else is like, I don't know if you've experienced this. You're the guy sitting there. At the end of the day, everyone's packing up their gun, but you still got a couple of things to finish up. Has anyone ever come and said, look, I'm going to help you. Let me just stay with you. Let me get it done for you. How do you feel at a time like that if someone did that to you? Wouldn't it just get your heart pumping? Wouldn't you be excited if somebody said, hey, let me just share the burden with you? What if you do that? What if you're that person? When we see our work as an expression of love, we get to serve. Work as I did the work. Are you still with me? I'm asking this question because I know that this talk of servanthood and being served, servants and serving others, it can be agonizing, isn't it? It's not, it's not a comfortable topic. It's not something we want, hey, I get to serve someone, Rah, let me wash your feet. It's not quite that. It's like, it might even be in the place, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Let this ball go to the other guy. I'll, I'll give him a free towel too. What's happening here is, if you really feel uncomfortable about it, perhaps it's God just suggesting something in you. Perhaps it's God saying, hey, I want to change the dynamics of your life.
what we do not see. We just come up. Let's take a look at this with me. If you know these things, this is after Jesus has done this and he's told the disciples to go to the earth. If you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. There is an incredible joy that comes out of serving others. And I'll tell you, recently I got a message from a, from a friend of mine. I, let me rephrase that, from a guy I know. kid when I knew him. And he was about 12 or 13 years old, and he sent me a message. He's a guy that I handed over the youth group that we used to lead in Kilanka to. But before I handed over to him, he'd come once a week, sit on the floor in my study, and we'd do a Bible study together, we'd pray together, and I'd share with him the little that I know. He sends me a message from the U.S. for some reason. A grown man now, married. He's got uh, three kids. He sends me this message. He says, I'm at a pastor's conference. He's the youth pastor in your church. And he says, I just would like you to know, appreciate one person who has kind of helped you on your journey. And he says, I came to you. I wanted to say thank you. How many of you know people like that? you've invested in the lives of others. But you know what? That guy, he's probably led a hundred kids to the Lord. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to enjoy a reward for which I didn't really want. Because I share in that. I share in that. Can you invest in someone's life? Can you be served? Can you serve someone lovingly? And you know what? We talked about life groups today. Life groups are not about just going there and getting about giving. Please, you mentioned that you were in hospital. You mentioned the life group services and that time. What you didn't say was how long were you in hospital? How long were you there that time? Two weeks. Two weeks. Babies going up and down, helping you with the design. You've had people, you've had people who've gone through significant tragedies in life. They've lost loved ones. They've lost their jobs. And life groups have been there to encourage them, strengthen them, stand with them, support them. We need these communities of serve others people. And even if you think, I don't need one, can I tell you to sign up because somebody else might need you? Go sign up today. Go sign up today. Be a part of a community. And you might say, hey, I'm busy. I'm a pilot. I'm flying most of the time. Jim and Gadget, Jim's a pilot. He flies A380s. They lead the life group. Even if you're out, please be accepted at the mark. I'm not wondering when you're here, you've made a community of life group. Sign up. Join up. Right, that's my little plug for life groups. I'm done. Okay, very quickly. I want to ask you two questions as we end. The first one, what's your serve life group? I'm not talking tennis here. For those of you who believe, what's your serve life? Jenna, can I have you up on stage here with me right now? How do you express the serve habit of serving? Do I 
identity that you share because it's a part of your DNA as a soul of Jesus was the ultimate servant son. And he says that this servant is greater than the master. We are called to be like him. Can I ask you to rise with me? I have a second question for you. Remember that scripture that I left out? I'm just going to read that again. There's a passage I left out in the middle. I said you'll come back to it. Here's what it says. Peter said to him, you shall never work my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not want you, you have no share with me. If I do not want you, you have no share with me. You might close your eyes. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And the most profound act of servitude, the most profound cleansing that Christ did is to come and rest on our sins. He cleanses, he washes us, and he presents us to the Father righteous. Washing the feet is a visual portrayal of what was to come. And if you've never, never experienced that, remember it took humility for Jesus to do this. But it also takes humility for us to receive what we did. And can I say this today? That if you have never, ever encountered and received the love of Jesus, if you've never, ever encountered this incredible servant king who is here today to serve you and says, I want to wash you clean. If you've never encountered that, can I say this? Don't let you stand in the way of you. Sometimes our pride stands in the way of our salvation. God wants to bring you to that place where He says, I wash you clean. I present you to the Father. I, I care for you. I've set shepherds over you. I will lead you beside still waters. 